So it's been how long since the Braves have been in the World Series? In the World Series, 99. So this would be 22 years. Wow, 22 years. That's exciting. 22 Man. years of, of even after that, we were still pretty pretty on top of it for a couple of years in the division. And then we blew it up back in 2015-ish. And now we're back on top where we belong. <laughs> Go Braves. I don't know about all that. Uh, what, how, what's different this year? Is it just, I, again, I don't, for people who don't know, I'm not a, the biggest baseball fan. I follow it cursory through headlines and box scores, but I don't really watch it. I don't get into it. I don't have a baseball team. Thomas is a big Braves fan. If you haven't already figured that out, but what's Jake's what, basically a European. He likes soccer, but he doesn't uh, like baseball. I do like soccer. But I, I mean, football is my number one sport. I just never got into baseball. I, you know, when I was growing up, the Diamondbacks weren't good. Uh, I remember them being an expansion team and then just not being good. And then they won it when I was in high school, and I was a Diamondbacks fan for a very short period of time. Uh, <laughs> but I just, I haven't got into it. Uh, but I know you're a huge Braves fan. Ever since I've known you, it's been Braves. What, what, what's different this year than other years? Did you guys acquire? some players did your young talent develop Did you just all put you had the the, the talent just all put it together this year what happened yeah well I, th- I think a lot of it is uh kind of the young core has developed right because so this is this is the very fourth year winning the division um the first two years they lost in uh division series last year um it's actually kind of frighteningly similar to this year except you know so we go up two nothing on the dodgers in the nlcs lose game three win game four then get swept five six seven so when the Braves went up 2 nothing, then lost game three, won game four, and then the Dodgers took game five, I was like, crap, we saw this before. But they've won game six. So a lot of it has to do, I think, with with uh, you have like Max Fried and Ian Anderson um, who have done this before now. They've established themselves. Then, of course, you know, kind of the young core position players, Freeman, Swanson, Albies, Raleigh, um, they just developed and they've stepped up a little more. And I think they're used to – the intensity of every at bat in playoff baseball um, and how like two outs, nobody on, especially for the pitchers, two outs, nobody on, you know, can quickly turn into a three run home run in a matter of five pitches and then momentum shifts. And so I think there's, they played better in that environment than they did last year. Um, and they recognize that they're good enough to compete with, with anybody. Um, but on that, they also got an extra starting pitcher, Charlie Morton. He'll pitch tonight. And then at the uh, trade deadline, they completely got a whole new outfield. So, because Azuna has some legal trouble, so he's out. Acuna tours ACL. Acuna is one of the best young players in baseball. He tours ACL. And then the center fielder we started with wasn't ready for for the big leagues. So, had to get a whole new outfield. Not ready for prime time. Uh, And they are are matching up against my other – 1v1 co-host team the houston astros so my twitter timeline has been nothing but braves and astros for <laughs> about a month now uh, i've actually muted both of those words on twitter which is nice did you really yeah man literally i'm not joking man i'd log on to twitter and my timeline would just be tweets and tweets of of you talking about the braves and josh and kyle talking about the houston astros uh or retweeting houston astros stuff so how do you guys, how do you think you match up against them? I think it'll be, 
I think I think the Twitter war between you and Josh will be just as interesting as the on-field product. Yeah, man, I honestly don't know. Like, I, I think offensively, their position players uh, are a little stronger than, than most of our field, uh, position players. I like our starting rotation. I like our bullpen against theirs. Um, so I'm hoping it has that 1990. I mean, the Braves won at 95, and they went up against the uh, Cleveland Indians. And the Indians had, like, a really dynamic offense, and, and the pitching just got the better of it. That's what I'm hoping for. But uh, I don't know, man. Weird things happen. And I haven't watched the Astros a ton other than just kind of following baseball in general. But that's kind of what I'm I'm seeing. And that's why I think the matchups are going to be most interesting is, is do our pitchers get out their hitters? Yeah, and for those that don't know, the Astros have been one of the best teams in baseball for five, six years now. Something like that-ish. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere around there. They won a World Series, have been to another World Series, and they're back to another World Series. But not without controversy. If you, Even if you don't follow baseball, one of the biggest stories in sports, was it two years ago? Was it last year? So it broke in the offseason, like uh, right before the 2020 season. Yeah, about cheating, that they were stealing signs and relaying them to the, their batters. And gaining an advantage over their opponents what i found funny we'll we'll talk about more in depth of the cheating scandal but what i found funny was i remember when the astros were playing the nationals in the world series last year and the announcers were gushing about the houston astros ability this is this is after the cheating scandal broke by the way they were still gushing about the Astros, like they'd go through their stats. The Astros batter's ability to not swing at uh, pitches outside the zone. And I thought it was hilarious because, of course, if you know what pitches are coming, then you're not going to swing at pitches that are going to be outside the zone. And I was like, like how, how do you show the stats of them like being really disciplined batters? And then like the, the announcers would not talk about the cheating scandal. It was hilarious. So I found that very funny. But before we start, we're the 1v1 Deep State Podcast. I'm Jake, at the rake, but the A is a 4 on Twitter. My co-host, as always, is Thomas, at ThomasBlack underscore 86 on Twitter. And you can find the show at OVO Deep State and anywhere you get your podcast. Today, we wanted to do a one of our lighter topics. We're going to talk about famous cheaters in sports, and I guess kind of dissect each one quickly and then just kind of where it ranks on the all-time cheating scandals uh, that we've seen. But the Astros and the Red Sox, who their manager, Alex Cora, was a part of the Astros when this was going on, uh, both were caught up in the sign-stealing scandal. Surprisingly, not a lot of punishment was handed out. This is one of the main criticisms of the current baseball commissioner, Rob Manfred. Uh, This was a at least on the Astros side of things, an organizational wide effort for the most part. And basically only the, the manager was fired, <laughs> which was I think a few executives got fired too. I don't yeah. think the GM, uh, the president of operations did, but I think there were a few front office guys that got, that got fired. Nobody you would have heard of other than the manager, but Jose Altuve is still playing second pace. Yeah. Carlos Correa is still playing shortstop. <laughs> like, yeah, the, the uh, guys that were active participants 
Nothing. And and not not to make light of the pandemic, but the pandemic saved a lot of those guys from getting hit with a lot of really fast pitches because yeah, baseball was pretty fed up. Yeah, with- and and I want your take on this as a baseball fan, but honestly, as the outside looking in. I didn't think it was that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. I thought it like the deal made about it was much bigger than the actual, like the actual quote unquote damage to the game of baseball. Uh, I think as, as we're going to go through these, we have a big list of baseball scandals for cheating. It, it's a, it's a sport that kind of, I don't want to say encourages it, but it's, it's, it's definitely a, if you're not cheating, you're not trying sport. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think to some degree, like, you can argue that I would say professional sports, but college sports are very similar with recruiting and such. But I would say baseball has, like, a unique history of pushing the envelope on various things. And baseball has always been a sport that's been slow to change. I mean, like, very much resisting change. Yes. Um, Why you conservatives love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's kind of funny. I think the average fan is like mid thirties, like white guy, um, yeah. and like older than it might be older than thirties. Yeah, I, th- I thought I thought it was somewhere around like what they have. Yeah, the, like ab- they definitely have the oldest average age of viewership. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, anyway, neither here nor there. But no, so so here, here's my thing with the Astros, right? Because because science stealing has has taking place for the last hundred years. But but usually when it's happening, it's um, when like a player, when, when a team gets a man on second. Yeah, you have a man yeah. on second, so, right. so the other team knows there's no reasonable assumption of privacy. Like he's going to be looking at our signs. He's going to be able to relay that to the batter. So we have to change it up. Right. But when you're filming it, when like, and when you're, you're communicating with trash cans and electronic buzzers and like all this Alleg- other nonsense. Allegedly. They know allegedly. They did it. Um. Yeah. To me, that 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 yeah, that obviously crosses the line. Um. That that's a much bigger deal. And and the reason I think it was it wouldn't have been a big deal in the grand scheme of things to me. Wrong, but not a big deal in the grand scheme of things if it wasn't for the fact that they were like in the World Series, winning a World Series, constantly in the playoffs. Like, if you just win like ninety games and lose in the NLDS, it's like, yeah, okay, like. But when yeah. you start bringing home hardware, like that's I, a big deal. And like when, when you look at like Clayton Kershaw, for instance, he's a great pitcher for the Dodgers. But one of his big knocks was he's not as effective in the postseason. Well, <laughs> when you're in the World Series and playing the Astros, and they know you're throwing a curveball, it's hard to be effective. And then that would have been that. That's why I think this one ranks because they were so successful and not on merit alone. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think that's why why my feelings of like when I when I read about the actual scandal, I was like, oh, this doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But I think it's because they you it was successful enough to win them a World Series that it became a much bigger deal, and the spotlight shone on them a little bit harder. Plus, it also went viral because it was like people on YouTube who, who found out about this first. They're the ones that broke the story. They were the ones that like were listening to the trash can being hit and then seeing. For people who don't know, if you didn't follow this in the news, 
they had a camera. They had a guy set up in a equipment room with TVs who could see the signs. He could decode the signs. And the way he was relaying it to the batters was that he would, well, there might have been electro- electronic buzzers that people were using. That was not confirmed, but Thomas is pretty adamant about it. But for the most part, he would bang on a trash can that you could clearly hear from the stands in like fan video or broadcast video. And the bat, I don't remember what exactly the code is. Maybe, you know, but it was basically like one, one for fastball, two for off speed. And, uh, they would, again, like I was laughing at about the announcer say they were one of the best, most disciplined batters in baseball. They didn't swing at stuff outside the zone. Uh, they always seemed to know, you know, what was coming to them based on, you know, film study, uh, quote unquote film study, but (laughs) But in the end, it was them, you know, using this video technology to steal signs. The reason I don't, I mean, I agree that what they did was against the rules, but I don't necessarily know if it's against the spirit of the rules. Because again, as I've said, baseball kind of encourages that when you, like you said, when you have a man on second, their signs are being stolen. If you don't have a system to encode your, your communications between the pitcher and the catcher, that's going to get stolen. Like people are going to catch on to that real quick. Like they have complicated uh, systems in place to communicate with each other for a reason outside of, you know, electronic help of stealing signs. But yeah, I think it's because the Astros went on that, that particular season to win a world series. It made it bigger deal, but in the pantheon of cheating scandals, I rank this one very low. Yeah, I mean, so so it's to, to me, it's definitely not. So it's not steroid error. It's not the Black Sox. Um, you know, so, so very low would probably be uh, not not exactly how I describe it. Because again, it, it did alternate alternate potentially a, a World Series title, but it was. I would say it wasn't as as history altering as like let's say Maguire Sosa in the summer that saved baseball. Like when you realize that they were juicing up um and that they really weren't um on their own ability, like doing something that's never been done before, you know, that that to me is a with a bigger story and just that whole era of what was going on, how many people were doing this and then how it affected stats and history and, and potentially games. I would, we, we might disagree on the steroids era. I would rank steroids era as far as cheating scandals ahead of, of this for sure. But I still rank steroids era very low in the grand scheme of things, mainly because everyone was doing it for the most part. I yeah, think that, I, I think, I think that, so I'm going to separate the two. You brought up, you brought up Sosa and McGuire, the summer that saved baseball. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to separate that. We'll, we'll put them all together into one steroids era, but I'm going to separate when I talk about them between that and what bonds did. So I think, I think, I think, I think Sosa McGuire is super low on the scandals. It saved baseball. It was a time where literally everybody was doing it. Uh, I don't, while they're, home run record should have asterisks multiple multiple asterisks next to them i don't think what they did was necessarily as bad as what bonds did 
what Bonds did kept going throughout baseball trying to clean up baseball and he ended up with the all-time home run record beating Hank Aaron uh and clearly was still juicing beyond what the rest of his competition were using and doing it in much more secretive ways uh cutting edge ways to beat tests i think what bonds did was worse for baseball than what sosa and mcguire did um yeah uh, i don't yeah probably because i think the all-time home run record um was kind of the crown jewel you know like before aaron had it everybody knew and loved babe ruth and then eventually everybody knew and loved Hank Aaron and like that was a big deal. Um, and then of course, you know, Bonds beats it by I think six. I think he ended up with seven sixty one. Um but the fact that he I mean and then the argument that gets brought up is like, well Hank Aaron was using something called Greenies, um which isn't steroids, but it's it's a performance enhancer but but not an illegal substance. Yeah. And that was something Again, during the steroids era, greenies were commonly used by everyone. It wasn't a... You mean during Hank Aaron's era? I think during the entire... I think greenies were around for a long time. Like that, yeah. I don't even think... I don't think greenies... When, think, when people... When people hear about the steroids era, the actual steroids that people were doing were much more of a performance enhancer than greenies were at any point in their time. You yes. know, like even, even when greenies were the only thing players were taking, they weren't giving them the kind of edges that the steroids era steroids were. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean like greenies, you know, from what I understand about greenies is, is much more comparable to like, um, like protein shakes, creatine, um, yes. you know, all these substances that kind of like give you a jolt of energy Sure. Um, and it was never banned. Like it was not a banned substance. Yeah. Neither in the professional sport or or by the FDA saying like this is an illegal drug. Right. Whereas steroids was always illegal, although baseball turned a blind eye to it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Always an illegal drug. Like from the government. So. So the reason why I would rate specifically Sosa McGuire lower is everybody was on top of everybody was doing the same things they were doing basically. And this isn't, this isn't even adding in the Sosa, like corked bats and stuff <laughs> that was out. That's cheating, whatever. Uh, but I, I mean, again, I think the effect on the game was positive with Sosa and Maguire overall. And I don't think that that's not, I think a lot of these other cheating scandals, it's hard to say that the effects were positive unless there was like some big reform that, save the game from collapse. But I think the reason I, I don't feel so strongly about uh, Sosa and Maguire, I remember that summer of baseball. I remember it actually being exciting and my friends actually talking about baseball, which we never did. I remember watching baseball, which I never did because of that. And I think it, I think they gained a lot of fans. I'm not saying what they did was right, but I'm saying they're the reason I rate the, the scandal low is because it had overall, I think had a positive impact on the game. Yeah, my thing with that would be like, I think the fans that it gained have now, are now, now no longer watching baseball. So it's like a, a flash pan um, kind of support. Um, 
but I think I don't know, like so. So I look at it from the perspective of like a kid who's grown up watching baseball and loved it, and like I loved it as a fan of baseball that was watching it before that and watched it afterwards. So like when I had this argument like on deployment, the way I liked it was like all right, it's like having like a girlfriend for six months and you have all these great wonderful memories, but then you find out after you break up, she was cheating on you the whole time. So all those great <laughs> wonderful memories are now tainted by the reality of the fact that she was cheating on you. Yeah, I can. You don't want to keep the pictures. You don't want to keep the like letter, like nothing. You want to keep, and that's how I feel about that season. Like, man, like it was great. It was inspirational. There were commercials about you know who's going to get sixty two before the season's through. Like this was really fun, until you realize that it really wasn't that fun because they weren't doing something that nobody else could do the way everybody else was attempting to do it. Yeah, and I. I can see the sugar high argument, right? Like I never stayed a baseball fan, even though I remember that summer fairly clearly from a baseball fan standpoint. Why I think bonds is worse. Again, I think baseball was trying to clean up the sport. Everybody knew that he was at least juiced prior during the steroids era. So his record was already going to be illegitimate, but like Mm -hmm. he continued to do it through the steroids era through when they were trying to clamp down on it he was trying to still gain an edge through using cutting edge technology at a time when i think when i say when i think when i say the steroids era everybody was using it everybody was using it when i think like the early to mid 2000s i think people were starting to phase out i don't think nearly as many people were on steroids when bond was doing it just later on yeah, I, I mean, I think there definitely were prominent players. I mean, A Rod, Roger. No, 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 yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I think, I think when people when they went to like 60 game suspension, one year suspension, you're out. Um, I mean, that was a big deal because they started out like 10 games, and every AAA boy is like, I'll risk 10 games yeah. if it gives me a multi million dollar deal. Right, right. Um, uh, and 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 again, I I look at that. I can look at that with a differing, with a more discerning eye and say i understand why a rod was using steroids to live up to his hundred hundreds of millions of dollar contract i i totally get that bonds was doing it for literally personal glory to beat a record that was held forever uh like i i don't want to say it was it's not sinister right but it was definitely a more selfish i i I can i I think a rod's an idiot in a probably just as selfish of a person, but I can at least empathize with the, I was paid hundreds of millions of dollars and I wanted to live up to that contract, especially like his first year with the Yankees. I mean, people were calling him a bust. Like he was terrible. Uh, Whereas bonds, it was all personal glory, right? Like he wasn't like doing it for the sake of the team. He literally just wanted the record in the record book. Yeah. You know, I think everything with cheating, like, there's understandable and there's excusable. Like for even for Bonds, like you know, I've watched sure. and read different things, and like he and his dad, dad had a, a unique relationship, and and he was chasing Willie Mays, and that was his godfather, and and wanting to make his dad. But like it made me sympathetic towards him, even though he, from everything I've, I've every interview I've seen, he's not a particularly friendly person. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I, I could listen to that and be like, oh, I can sympathize. But it's still wrong. And I'm not like, I can't get to the point of like, oh, it's not a big deal. Because like you said, like he, he took the crown jewel of, of, you know, of baseball records for sure. Um, and to, to, to do it by only a half dozen, 
when you're you're getting some help that's and this is not to take away from the skill of Maguire and Sosa and Bonds. Like there is a skill to hitting home runs outside of just power. And I think that, you know, Barry, people don't really know, but I mean, baseball fans know, but I don't think any people outside Barry Bonds is one of the few players who has two hall of fame careers. Even if you split it by when he started taking steroids, he was really, 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 really good prior to steroids. Like steroids, the reason forty forty guy, like forty stolen bases, forty home runs before. Yeah, he was he was an incredible baseball player before steroids, and steroids, you know, astronomically shot him up into one. Like again, going from a Hall of Fame type player to an all time great time type player is a is another leap, right? Like Hall of Fame is top ten percent. He was in the you know the top of the top one percent. That's a hard leap to make, and. So not to take anything away from his skill, but obviously he doesn't get the home run record without steroids. Yeah, he, he also, and, and to your point, and then we can move on from Barry Bonds, but like when he was on steroids, he was such a good player. He's in my 30 years of watching baseball. He's the only person I've ever seen intentionally walked with the bases loaded. Yeah, Pitchers it's worth it. Would not throw to this guy. Yeah, and in and a handful of times they did. He hit, he hit it out. Like, and that's what makes, that's what makes, you know, his single, if he would have done it clean, that's what would have made his single season home runs so exceptional because he's not getting like the 600 at bats everybody else is. He's getting walked mm-hmm. all the time and he's just like mashing the one at bat he gets per game where he's actually getting strikes thrown to him. So yeah, I agree. Like, from the, from the steroids PED conversation, like Bonds is head and shoulders above Maguire, Sosa, and Clemens, and like the list goes yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. All the big names, right? Yeah. And within baseball, I still think Pete Rose is probably way worse than steroid error because he was the only one doing it. <laughs> and it'd be interesting to see what you think because I've got to, I probably have a different perspective than most on Pete. I changed my mind like I th- maybe 10 years ago. I I haven't ever looked into Pete Rose beyond, you know, what the headlines say. Well, you know, I've read some articles, but I never really got into it. Like with Bonds and with the Astros and Red Sox sign stealing, you can see we have like definitive proof of what happened. You can see with Bonds mm-hmm. when his home run numbers started going up unnaturally. I've never seen really a dissection or a proof of like Pete Rose betting on his own baseball games, right? Do I think betting he do I think betting on baseball while you're a sitting manager is good? No, I think that's a very slippery slope. If we had proof that Pete Rose bet on his own baseball games and he was throwing said baseball games, I would probably rank this up there with the Black Sox. So here's my. So the reason we don't we don't have the information we do. I mean, they settled out of court. Like he was right. taking baseball to court, um, <laughs> and part of the process they say, "Listen, here's the evidence we have against you. Do you really want this public?" And here, knowing that a lifetime ban from baseball is what they were pursuing, he saw the evidence and said, "No, I don't want this out in public. I'll, I'll willfully sure accept the ban." Now, it's speculative on my, on my part, but if, if it is as he claims and all he ever did was bet on his team, then I take that to court personally. 
And I'm like, guys, I bet on my team. It wasn't a, a point thing. It was win-loss. And I was betting we would win. Right. So it didn't do, didn't do anything to alternate any game because I'm going to try to win no matter what. So it just wouldn't surprise me if on occasion, <laughs> you know, he, he bet against his team or he started doing some point saving and stuff like that. So that's that's – I would love to know what they had and why he agreed. And then I'd love to know if you agreed, knowing lifetime ban was on the table, why are you still upset that you're banned? Like this was the agreement you made. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I think that we're probably both going to agree that Black Sox scandal, which happened 100 years ago basically – is probably one of one of the worst, if not the worst, in all of sports scandals. I can't imagine a worse sports scandal than throwing the championship game on purpose. <clears throat> uh, if if you don't know about the Black Sox by now, I mean, again, it's been over a hundred years, uh, but basically, they players on that team purposely threw that game uh, due to gambling and hatred for the owner. Yeah, but I'm sure it was mostly gambling. The <laughs> the I think the Pete Rose thing again. I would have to see definitive proof. Like I would have to see somebody break it down. Like okay, these are the games we know Pete Rose bet on. Here are some abnormal things Pete Rose did that affected mm-hmm. the score of the game. Right? There's been no proof that he like pressured players to point shave or to throw games. Uh, even if you make unorthodox moves. If your players aren't in on it, I find it very hard to control the game, right? Like, I think what you're saying of, like, obviously the MLB has some proof of something. I'm sure that's the case. I'm sure there's prob- there was probably intention of him wanting to control games. Maybe it was, again, it's a very slippery slope. I can't say that Pete Rose wouldn't especially given the type of guy he's turned out to be over the last, you know, 40 years. I can't say that Pete Rose wasn't going down a path where he was going to try to alter games. Uh, I've just never seen the definitive proof. So in that sense, I don't think you can get much worse than what the Black Sox did. Yeah. And and who knows, who knows why Pete didn't want to take it to to court, right? Like there could have been personal stuff, not dealing with baseball that would have come out. He's like, I'm not getting involved. Could have been a number of drugs. Drugs, women, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? But, like, it's just curious to me that that he willfully was like, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to debate this in public anymore. But, yeah, I think, I think the Black Sox would be, would take the cake in baseball. Yeah. I I think for the sake of argument, let's say Pete Rose did attempt to alter games, whether he was successful or not. uh, I think that. Even if we take that stance, I think the Black Sox was worse because, again, having the players do it is much different than having the coach do it without without players' knowledge. If Pete Rose had his players in on it, that's a completely different story. Uh, but the, I think the players themselves have so much more control. You know, when when two teams are evenly matched, every one percent edge matters. You know, gets gets magnified. So pitchers intentionally walking somebody or hitting somebody. Uh, you know, infielders making crucial errors. Like even if it's just one, one error can lead to a run. One run is huge when teams are close. So, mm-hmm. I, I, like what what the manager can do, and and yeah, as a manager, you can't make it obvious either, right? Like 
you can't pull your Hall of Fame pitcher three innings in if he's, you know, had four strikeouts and, you know, one on bait, one one hit. Like it, that's super obvious, right? Like yeah. it, it takes a little bit more it takes a little bit more finessing. So I think in the grand scheme of things, if if Pete Rose was attempting to alter baseball games due to gambling, I would probably put this ahead of Sosa McGuire against separating the steroids era, but behind Barry Bonds uh, as far as scandals go. And then I think Black Sox is a whole nother tier above all of that stuff. Yeah, no, I, I'd probably agree with that ranking. I, I think I think it depends on the Pete Rose thing and why he didn't bring it to court. But if, if you're I, – I would probably go Black Sox, Bonds, Sosa McGuire. And because I'm in the mood to hate the Astros, Astros, Pete Rose. <laughs> that, would, that would probably be my rank structure. I, I think without yeah without proof if we're not going to say that Pete Rose attempted to alter games and just that leave it as a mystery I think it's definitely lower right uh, but yeah I think baseball is interesting baseball's had a lot of scandals in its time and uh, it's been interesting to it was interesting to look back and see again I think when I when I do rankings on what what was quote unquote the worst scandals it's got to have like lasting effects negative effects i I mean i the black Sox scandal really shook baseball when there was only a handful of teams at the time it was still fledging fledgling league like it could have all collapsed very easily in that time frame but again with like with the with the sosa mcguire stuff like i don't think the long-term damage to baseball was i think it was very minimal and I, i i still contend i think it's probably overall more positive than it was negative uh but with baseball has a similar overlap with basketball because individual players can control a game more than other sports. This is something you didn't know about, but I just watched the Netflix documentary about the Arizona state point shaving scandal. And it's one of the most, I guess not. I don't want to say well known because I literally just said that you didn't know about it. But it's it, it, in basketball itself. It was one of the most obvious and uh, detrimental point shaving scandals. I mean, maybe ever. But basically, these this this college bookie had the Arizona State point guard in debt to him. And he got his buddy, who was a financial advisor in Chicago or or a, a trader and a financial trader in Chicago, who had a lot of money, to back him. They had the Arizona State point guard shave points. And if you don't know what that is, if a team is favored to win by ten in basketball, and the, that means there's 10 points is a, is a significant gap in basketball. So you're favored to win by 10, which means you're much better than the other team. You're supposed to blow them out most of the time. If you don't blow them out and only win by like four, that means people can make the bet on the, the underdog and make a lot of money on them. If they, if they keep it within that, that 10 points. So the ASU point guard was one of the best players in the country at the time. He had a future in the NBA for sure. And he was so good that 
part of the documentary was saying like they kept telling him you can't win by more than six points no matter what the spread was basically like the spread would be 12 and they're like you can't win by more than six because they wanted some kind of cushion and the the point guard like they'd be up by like 10 with like 30 i don't know 30 seconds a minute left and somehow they'd wind up winning by six every time it was like a really weird thing that this point guard could do uh but eventually got to the point where these this Chicago trader guy was going to Vegas and hitting 20 different casinos because you can't if you start betting a lot of money on something you're going to alert the authorities they're going to start investigating why you're betting so much money on this specific game uh so he would go to 20 different casinos and spread his bets out and he eventually ended up with like five or ten million dollars uh before the whole thing collapsed but this is during a time when the like March madness wasn't as big of a thing. Like, like college basketball wasn't nearly as, as big of a money-making thing as it is now. I don't want to say that it would have collapsed if this was more widespread, but this could have been on the black Sox scandal. Because again, when you're having a player manipulate games, that's a much bigger deal than something like what Pete Rose did. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, and it's kind of I don't know, it's kind of funny that you have like a, a single player in basketball able to manipulate it to that point. Um, sounds like he needed an NIL deal so he didn't get in trouble with his bookie, but <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, so I, I feel like that one was a big one for basketball. But but when I think about basketball, I always think about uh, the referee Tim uh, Tim Donaghy. Donaghy. Yeah, yeah, Tim Donaghy, because that's the one. Like you could argue the official has more control over any basketball game than anybody. Yes. And then it's not like, it's not the, how do I say it? Like the, the players, the guys who are working and like going for a goal and like sacrificing everything to, to pursue this career, that this, 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 this goal have no idea that it doesn't matter what you do. The officials are to determine how this thing's going to, going to shake out. So I feel like that was even bigger than, than ASU. I I would go so far as to say the Tim Donaghy thing. Again, no proof that I've seen that he necessarily So they've they've deep dived Tim Donaghy because this happened, you know, in the two thousands when people were much more analytically focused. And they looked at his games and there was definitely something fishy going on. But there was no definitive proof that Tim Donaghy, for people who don't know, NBA ref was found out to be betting on basketball. Very similar to the Pete Rose thing, except as a ref, he had way more control over a game, especially basketball. A ref has way more control over a game than pretty much any other sport. Actually, definitely any other sport. They've done the they've done the deep dive on the games he refed versus the games he didn't ref, and there was discrepancies for sure. No, he never admitted to betting on games he refed. He never admitted to fixing games in his favor. But something fishy was going on. Pretty sure he, it's semantics. Like maybe he didn't bet on the games he was refing, but his bookie told him what to do, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I think compared to the ASU point shaving, this is this is a whole nother tier. This is like a Black Sox level scandal for basketball. I think the difference is is basketball did their the NBA did their did their best to cover up all the damage. 
I think that uh, their final report or whatever was a let's sweep this under the rug type thing and not let's fix this from the outside in. As a referee, as a third party in basketball and having the power that they do, one player to point shave is is detrimental. One player can absolutely influence the game. A referee can make the game be whatever they want. They can, if if a team they want is winning that they don't want to win, they can start calling fouls that are quote unquote soft. A lot of ticky tack fouls, a lot of stuff that wouldn't normally get called. Uh, a lot but, of traveling, like NBA in a lot of ways. Like there's a lot of ways, and it and it honestly wouldn't look too out of the ordinary to the outside observer. Like if you're just watching it as on a singular basis, you wouldn't really know the difference to be honest. To, like without it, yeah. you have to look at all of his games over a certain period of time and then compare him to other referees. So it was a lot harder for them to find him. Like at me as a quote unquote basketball fan watching a Tim Donaghy ref game, there wouldn't be there's there would be fouls that he would call that I would I would get upset about in in you know a different game where he's not refing because it's such a, a subjective thing in basketball. There's no like. Like you said, there's much like everybody says, there's holding on every play in the NFL. There's like traveling, there's carrying, there's all kinds of quote unquote rules being broken every possession in the NBA. It's just whether the referee wants to call it or not. So, what Tim Donaghy did, I I put that up there. It's like a notch below the Black Sox. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's next level when that a when a player will voluntarily lose as a, as a, you know, compared to like the ASU situation where he wasn't losing, he was just winning by a specific amount. Yes. Like Black Sox is, is pretty incredible. But yeah. Like there, there's something, I don't know. There's nothing about the, the Tim, Tim Donaghy situation where you had like with the Black Sox, it's like, Hey, we have an invested interest in the game and, like we all we're all on board, we're just gonna lose it. And really it should only affect like us and, and you know that the blacks like I get it, the fans are mad, it hurts the integrity of the game, I get that, but like with every win loss, it affects the player the most, in theory. Right? Like at yeah, the Braves I mean, lose the were... World Series, I'm gonna be upset as a fan, but I'm not gonna be as upset as like Freddie Freeman because that's part of his team. So, the, so yeah. my point is with all of that, like the Black Sox would say, you know, hey, it affects us the most. We've got the most invested here, and we'll throw it. No worries. Tim took <laughs> like complete control over that, where he had nothing invested in, like no sacrifice investment into the the game itself, and he's like, I'm going to control this, allegedly, <laughs> to yeah. to my own no, personal. I'm, I'm pretty much like Pete Rose. I'm more convinced that Tim Donaghy bet on games. He was refereeing it and controlled those outcomes uh, to go along with the, the, the impact he had, they like pulled his phone records and there were some other fishy games ref by people that weren't Tim Donaghy, but he was, he had called the refs like the night before or the day of. And so like, it was, I'm, much like how we don't know everything about Pete Rose, I'm positive that there were other referees involved and the NBA swept it under the rug. Uh, so I think that's why I would put it up there with uh, – another reason why I'd put it up there with Black Sox. I, I think it was much more widespread than what the NBA wants to let on. And I didn't like the way they handled it. 
I think they uh, definitely made Tim Donaghy the fall guy and swept the rest on the rug and didn't go after him as hard as they could have. So he didn't expose uh, other referees. But yeah, I think that I think I think that's easily up there. Uh, we'll get to some of these other ones, but I don't. If I think exactly what you said, it, it, because it's a third party, because it's not the players who have contracts on the line who have legacies on the line i think it's much worse when uh, a third party exerts that kind of force on a game to to determine the outcome yeah and then like you said in basketball like there's there's no other third party that has the influence in game changing ability like an nba UF. yeah yeah and it's and again like for the mlb if an if an umpire was going to call pitches balls and strikes differently for each team Guess what? That happens almost every single game. Like, yeah. like you can, we can, we can see that. We see that. Uh, we can see when an umpire has different strike zones for different pitchers. It's it's a part. It's literally a, a a factor of the game, and that's so much. Even if they change it to make it egregious, it would still kind of blend in or not be as you know not be as big a deal. There's only so much an umpire can control. Uh, that one check swing that happened in this playoff series with the um, Dodgers and uh, Giants, the Giants, Giants. they called they called that check they called that check swing. You think that that uh, official is if he was betting on the game, why would he wait till that one moment to call the like again? It, it just they have so little influence yeah. that uh, it it's not nearly as big of a scandal as when an NBA basketball ref is uh, doing it. So. Definitely put that up there. I, I, I will. We'll... Hey, with like to your point, basketball has the biggest gray area as far as rules enforcement and what is a foul, what is traveling, yes. what is like, yes. what is infraction. So yes. I mean, like you said earlier, like football, like yeah, there's holding on every play, but there's pretty clear and obvious this is an actual infraction versus this is like normal blocking. Right with when an umpire that... when an umpire calls a ball a strike or vice versa, it's a lot closer to subjective subjectiveness then but there's an objective like they can draw the batter's strike zone and we can see it and you can monitor that sort of thing um it's very rare where it's just egregious but whatever like you can you can make a uh a judgment based on that but in basketball it's like okay that was probably a foul but i wouldn't i I wouldn't have called that it's like that's like literally every foul in the nba ever so (laughs) definitely much more influence i i want to move on to football we have some some scandals in football but compared to baseball and basketball i feel like all of these are very very low on my my ranking i think uh college football scandals in general might be the worst of them but when i say worst i don't this is this is my this is going i'm gonna have the same argument as the steroids era every everybody does this every Every single college, every booster is trying to pay players, trying to attract the best players in the country. Uh, we have on the list the the SMU Southern Methodist University, the de- their death penalty, quote unquote, for for college football, and then Reggie Bush. It's the same infractions, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, SMU in the '80s was a powerhouse in football. They had Eric Dickerson, one of the best running backs of all time. He showed up to 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 college in like a gold like Cadillac, which he obviously like brand new, which obviously was not something a college kid could afford in those days. 
but everybody was doing it. SMU f- basically flaunted it the most uh, and acted like they were untouchable. I guess that, you know, Texas oil money gives you some ego, but the, the NCAA came down hard on them. They banned them from football. They reduced their uh, scholarships. They it, SMU has not recovered. If you haven't heard of Southern SMU football, it's because of this death penalty. They yeah, are 100%. just they are just now becoming a you know respectable football organization again in the last few years. Uh, but people don't understand like this was if if you if you know college, yeah. if you call it, if you follow college football now they were the one of the Alabamas they were one of the Clemsons they were one of the the top flight uh, college football schools and now they're it took them thirty years to become even mildly relevant again. Yeah, you know, and you, yeah, so to compare this to baseball, right? Because you look at the steroid era and it's like, okay, because so many people were doing it, it probably didn't, probably didn't drastically affect win and losses. But the argument with baseball is it definitely affects the legacy of one player when compared to the legacy of another in a different era. Because, yes. you know, Ruth and Maris and Aaron and Ted Williams, all these greats, no reason to believe they were on, on PEDs, whereas Bonds, Wire, Sosa, et cetera, yeah, they were. College football since the 50s, 60s, like, I mean, this talks about Bear Bryant, you know, walking into Alabama in the 60s and, and pretty much putting a jar of money on the table in front of boosters and saying, this jar better be full by the time the meeting's over. Like, yeah, cheating and recruiting has always happened. SMU forgot you're not supposed to be successful. And that, that's what blew them up because they flaunted it and they weren't UT Austin. They weren't Oklahoma. They didn't have the pedigree of the other schools. They kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, it's a, it's a, I think I'm pretty sure there's an ESPN 30 for 30 on it. It's, it's an interesting one to watch. It's yeah. They, they came out of nowhere. They had no legacy, no, no prestige. They, you know, burned real bright. They Icarus it. They flew too close to the sun and they got burned. And I, I 1000% agree that if they were a blue blood program, this isn't go back to the eighties and look at those, those Miami teams, those crazy Miami teams, they were just as bad or worse than anything SMU did. But Miami had, you know, some, some clout Alabama with Bear Bryant clout, Notre Dame clout, Michigan clout. Like they were not going to get this kind of band hammer that SMU got. Uh, but the incident of blame made them, uh, and made an example out of them and you know maybe for a season or two boosters were a little bit more careful but we're, we're back to an era well i mean now we have NL, nil which we did an episode on but for a long time we were just back into the era where it was it was pretty openly done reggie bush is the prime example of that he was basically paid to play at usc which again all these star athletes get paid in some form or fashion was given a house for his family. Uh, they they made an example out of him by taking away his Heisman, by stricking him from all the USC record books, stat books. I don't... The You kind of hit on it. Like The reason why I, I think these are like non-issues for the most part, everybody's doing it. And Reggie Bush didn't play better because he was paid. Like That's an insane thing to say. Yeah. Even if he wasn't paid... It, and went to some other school because he didn't get paid, he would have been Reggie Bush. He would have been just as good. It literally doesn't affect the on the field performance. So it, it, and then kind of, kind of 
reinforces the the like the structure of incident and of college football where like the blue blood programs are always going to be better than the lower tier programs it's really hard to break out in college football the the universities who have been doing this for a long time have an inherent advantage against universities that don't the fact that they also can have boosters pay play the best players in the country to come to their schools uh doesn't help that but it also even if you took we we're in a new era where players can get paid openly now and transfer. And I don't, <laughs> in transfer wherever willy-nilly we're, we're putting more power into the players hands which is a good thing i think that is a has a much bigger effect on college football than like you know boosters paying players ever did yeah and then that's the thing like and, and again uh, i'm gonna operate under the assumption that everybody would pretty much agree that every major program is cheating roughly to the same extent in recruiting and, and I'm saying that, say, like, there's no competitive advantage. Like, it's not like, for instance, um, I mean, look at, like, Cam Newton, right? Like, he allegedly got paid to play at Auburn. But, like, it's not like the other programs that were recruiting him were like, oh, I'm not going to pay you. Like, we're going to pay him, right? It, it seems to be, like, a worst-kept secret among, like, college football that everybody has boosters. Everybody has people who are, like, you know, dropping off bags. Larry Tunjil is another example, like the, the tackle out of Ole Miss um, that got drafted. I mean, there were recruiting violations that sank careers in Mississippi on, on how they were pursuing him as a recruit. So it's not like, oh, Bush went to USC because they paid him and everybody else was abiding by the rules of recruiting. It's, at the end of the day, like a watch because everybody's pursuing the same players with the same tactics. Right. And that doesn't make it right. But it also doesn't affect the competitive balance of the sport. Yeah, I agree. I think that's why it, the, this kind of stuff is very low on my list of scandals. Uh, football doesn't really have too many juicy ones. I, well, I'm going to go through Deflategate real quick, and then we'll talk about probably, the I would say, the, the biggest one of football. But Deflategate, Tom Brady allegedly under had his equipment manager underinflate footballs for him so he could get a better grip. The NFL did a big investigation into it, and then that investigation was the basis of uh, fining the Patriots, taking away draft picks. Uh, like seventh rounders, though, right? They won the worst one, like the fifth one or fourth one? Nothing. Well, no, they, I think... I don't know if it was Deflategate or Spygate, but they lost a first-round pick, but they had like just won the Super Bowl, so it was like the 32nd overall. It wasn't like a high first-rounder. Um, but yeah, basically the flake gate was a quote unquote scandal, but then like physicists went in and like picked apart the findings of the report. Cause the report was done by like an investigator and there was some like science and math into the, like the PSIs of the footballs, but then like literal academics went in and were like, okay, this could be, absolutely be explained by changes in temperature changes in mm-hmm. atmospheric pressure like there was no definitive proof that brady actually cheated uh there was some like innuendo and in some text messages i guess but nothing <laughs> definitive even if he deflated the football below the legal psis even like again like the pete rose thing we're gonna grant that he che- cheated it didn't it's not a big enough competitive advantage for me to like care like they're all still throwing a football. They're all still 
making plays. Like we've this happened, you know, de- like almost a decade ago. He's still out there throwing touchdown after touchdown, touchdown passes. Yeah, it it obviously didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> well, I think that and, game didn't they end up winning that game by like thirty points? A lot, yes. Yeah. So like he that, threw- the whole thing came out because he, he they threw a pick or or there was a fumble and uh, the linebacker like felt the ball and it was underinflated. But there was no there was no definitive proof basically that he he was actively cheating or actively having his equipment managers underinflate footballs. And again, even if we grant that he did, it's still such a non-issue. Like he still has to go out there and throw that football and make the plays he does. There's so many other things going on in a football game that an underinflated football is not any kind of significant edge. Yeah, you could have given them a nerf football and they still win that game. Right, like they're those teams were just dominant. So, but yeah, the so, other, so yeah, okay. I say the flake gate for all the reasons you mentioned is like trivial and yes, hardly yes. a scandal. The spine gate's yes. a little more interesting. Yes, yes, that's so. But I've got to tread carefully because I think Miami did the same thing and just didn't get caught, and they won. So they a, a, a lot of teams did. So back in the early two thousands, it was fairly common practice to videotape the opposing sideline and try to steal their signals for their offense and their defense. Uh, the sideline signals, right? Kind of similar to this Astros thing, but the Astros thing was like live. They were doing it live. This was like filming practice, filming games, um, all stuff done in the open though, right? Like there was no like hacking of, uh, you know, playbooks, stealing playbooks, none of that kind of yeah. stuff. It was, it was, you know, taking video footage of the opposing sidelines to try to steal it, to like go back and review and steal their signals. Right. I think that it gives you, I, I think that does give you an edge. I think it was pretty known at the time that a, a lot of teams were doing it, not just the Patriots. What's funny is they were quote unquote caught because their former defensive coordinator who was on the Patriots when they were doing this thing, but the current head coach of a, of a rival team, the New York jets, he was the one that outed them when he was absolutely a part of the system that did it while he was a part of the Patriots. So that was kind of, that was always a funny twist to me. I think Spygate among football scandals is probably one of the worst, but in the grand scheme of things, stealing signals, I think it does give you an edge, but it's not as big of an edge as some of the other stuff. We It's definitely not as big of an edge as steroids. It's, I don't even think it's as big of an edge as what the Astros and Red Sox were doing. I think doing that live and being able to know what pitches are coming, give you a much bigger edge than the Spygate stuff. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the thing with the Spygate thing too is, you know, okay, so they steal your signs, but there's so many audibles in football, offensively and defensively. Like what do you call from the sidelines? Like too frequently gets changed at the line. How many plays a game doesn't matter? Like, not, yeah. not many. They're not. You're not going to get too significant of an edge, in my opinion. But they got that it, was a big that was a big deal in 2007. Uh, they got a big fine. I don't think that the the biggest thing was is like I, I believe that they destroyed the tapes, or I don't know if 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 the Patriots destroyed the tapes on their own, or if Goodell. Not Goodell. Uh, it was the commissioner before Goodell at that point. Tagliabue. Uh, if, if they made if they made the Patriots destroy the tape so that we couldn't see the evidence, but we never actually got to see what they were filming, what who, what teams. There were reports that they taped the Rams' practices at the Super Bowl, which got 
you know, some traction, but we never really got to find out exactly what they were taping and what they were doing with it. But again, giving them the, I don't want to say benefit of the doubt. It's the opposite of the benefit of the doubt, but like giving it the worst case scenario, I just don't think that you can get a big enough edge from it. So I think all the football ones on the scale of sports cheating are very low on the list, but football specifically, I think Spygate is probably the worst. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, compared to everything else, it's, it's just, yeah, it's pretty vanilla. So. All right, and we'll, we'll end on this one. I want to know what your thoughts on the Lance Armstrong cycling cheating is. I I have very significant, not significant, I have very similar feelings of Lance Armstrong as I do with the steroid era and Bonds, and not Bonds, uh, Sosa and Maguire. Yeah, so, so ESPN did, did a documentary on him, and he was on Joe Rogan. He's pretty transparent, like, more than any other person caught up in a scandal. Very, at this point at least, transparent. Here's what I did, here's why I did it. Um, but then the guy brought up about, like, on the ESPN documentary, is I think he went over there um, to get involved in, you know, world cycling and European cycling and such. as like a young 20s or a high teenage kid. And he and his teammates get over there, and they were clean at the time and realized everybody's doing this. So what do we do? Like essentially give up or do we join in? They joined in again, understandable and excusable, two different things. My biggest thing with the cycling is like, they are super inconsistent with how they apply uh, rules to the record book. Like there are other dudes. Uh, I forget the name cause I don't watch cycling, but um, I remember Lance Armstrong talking about, there's a French guy who was also on EPO and also doing all the same performance enhancers and his uh, various records are still in the record book while everything Lance did is taken out probably because he was just the public figure. Um, so I don't know. Like I remember when he was winning it, you know, being an American, you know, I was just like aware of the tour de France. I was like, Oh cool. We're winning it. And then when he retired, I didn't care because I, I don't care about cycling. I think if it had been a, <laughs> more popular sport in the u.s it would have been much more like earth shattering but because it's not that popular i don't know i i didn't care as much and i don't think any outcome because i think like a hundred percent of the cyclists at the tour de france were all doing the same thing Whereas in right. baseball, think, you had like 20% of the steroid era weren't doing steroids. Sure, but also that it was still like basically everybody was doing it. And same with cycling. <laughs> everybody was doing it. There's some – anytime somebody got busted with cheating in cycling, they would like go back and like sh- strike your name from the record book for wherever you finished in place. And I know there's like certain races where they had to go like 12, 15 deep to find somebody who hasn't been busted yet for cheating. Uh, to retroactively give them first place. It was so widespread. Everybody was doing it. Uh, my biggest thing with Lance Armstrong was that he was like basically just a, a huge jerk. And he was, he was like suing people and going after people and bad mouthing people who were calling him out for cheating during his career. Uh, that I think that's kind of tainted me on him. I, I've listened to his Joe Rogan interview. I've listened to him since. I'm glad he's opening about it now. I don't know what kind of like amends he's making with the people he tried to basically tried to ruin while he was cycling. Yeah. Uh, I did forget about that part. 
yeah, he was a huge jerk about it. Like, like beyond of beyond just like defending yourself, he would like actively go after people who were calling him out for cheating. Uh, so I think that always taints me on him specifically. I think that the scandal in cycling is probably worse for cycling than it is than the steroids era was for baseball. Uh, so I'd put it slightly higher than the steroids era in baseball, but I think it's very similar, right? Like we cared about cycling for a few years while Lance was on top of the world, winning it for the USA. As soon as they found out that everybody cheated, people didn't care anymore about cycling. I, I, I mean, I couldn't tell you, I couldn't name one tour de France winner in the last 10 years. So I couldn't tell you a tour de France winner in all of history. That's not named Lance Armstrong. <laughs> that's, not what, that's absolutely fair. Uh, I remember Floyd Landis. I remember he was pretty good for a while, another American. And then he got busted for cheating. Uh, I think that, on the list of scandals, like I said, I think I put this just above the steroids era of baseball, but on the grand scheme of things, it's, it's far below anything else. I, I, I would, it would shock me if they still aren't cheating at cycling. Uh, I would love to see, I mean, I, the tour de France is hard. These cycling yeah. races are hard. They're, they're insanely hard. I don't know if it makes me a bad person. I would love to see just normal, not necessarily normal, but unjuiced people do the Tour de France because I think it'd be much more grueling and we'd see a lot. It'd make it a lot more interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, These people, just to complete it, you need to cheat, quote unquote cheat, uh, because of how hard it is. So, you know, I definitely don't blame these cyclists for doing it. Uh, I I would, if I was in the same situation, I would almost certainly do it. But again, my, my thing with Lance is just the way he acted during and after, directly after. So it's not. He, he, he's the only one accused of cheating that came out swinging to the extent that he did for as long yes. as he did. Yes. Like, like, <laughs> you have like your McGuire's and Clement too in testimony would be like, I'm not here to talk about the past. Whereas right. he was like defaming yeah, like, everybody else who was like asking questions. Right. Right. It, I mean, it, as much as I don't like Barry Bonds for what he did, like, I don't remember him going out there, like suing people into oblivion for accusing him of cheating. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he would deny it, but it wasn't like, you know, as bad as Lance Armstrong was doing, but yeah, it's after looking at this list and talking about it, it's pretty clear. I think, uh, that baseball prob probably is the most, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying sport, uh, which I'm fine with. I, I think that makes the game more interesting, but I think the, the the most of most of their scandals are are pretty low on my on my list of my my like my criteria for ranking these things is like how much damage does it do to the sport how much damage does it do to the name of the sport is it that big of a competitive advantage i i think that uh i think if it in a situation where like bonds is clearly one of the best players in the sport but he's also one of the only ones still juicing clearly was much worse for baseball than Again, Sosa McGuire, where everybody's doing it, but but in the end, like the Black Sox fixing a game specifically, is the worst thing that's probably ever been done in baseball. And I think Tim Donaghy and what I'll consider the rest of the refs controlling games for for gambling purposes, which I'm I'm 
you can't convince me that there weren't more refs involved. I think that is probably worse than the Black Sox, to be honest. But if we're only taking it as one ref doing it and it, only on certain games, I think that uh, they might be might be closer. But if if it were found out that more refs were in on the Tim Donaghy thing and that the NBA covered it up, I think that would probably be the worst scandal in all of sports. Oh, yeah, for sure. If, if you can get the definitive proof there. But just just kind of based off, yeah. I mean, I, I think Tim Tim Donaghy is probably my worst. Yeah, I agree. Black Sox number two. My hatred for the Astros is growing, so they're going to be in the top five no matter what. But I would I would probably say, yeah. I mean, I, the the whole steroid era just sucks for baseball, just because again, like to me, the single season home run record still has to be sixty one. Like Roger, like what Roger Maris did is still like pretty spectacular and has never naturally been broken. But because of Maguire Sosa and even Bonds, like you have all these dudes who I think there have been five different seasons. Cause I mean, Maguire did it twice. Sosa once Bonds did it twice. I think where 61 became almost like, uh, Oh, that's okay. Like that's, that's, I mean, so that whole steroid era just sucked for baseball, but the competitive balance didn't shift the way it did with like, let's say an Astros thing where one team is cheating. One team knows what pitch is coming as opposed to all the steroids where the pitcher's juicing, the outfielder who's running down the fly ball is juicing, and then the hitter's juicing. Everybody's just maximizing the extent they can be exceptional. We definitely hope that we were able to distract you from whatever serious thing is going on. We're the 1v1 Deep State Podcast. I'm Jake at the rake on Twitter, but the A is a four. At Thomas Black underscore 86 on Twitter. At OVO Deep State is for the show. We will be posting this on a Wednesday. We missed last episode. That was my fault. Had some family stuff. But we will try to continue doing this every two weeks and join our Discord. Come have some conversation with us. I know Thomas had some deep conversations going on of a more serious topic. But for you to find out what that topic was and to join in on those conversations, you're going to have to join the Discord. And we will see you next time. Take it easy.